Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to my podcast, Introverted Queen. On today's episode, I am speaking with McKinney. She is an introverted mindset coach. We talked about the benefits of being an introvert, boundaries, and she also shared with us the worst advice she's ever gotten. Check it out. Hi, McKinney. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for asking me to be a guest on your podcast. I'm truly honored and I'm excited to have this conversation. Me too. Thank you for saying yes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start. How would you describe yourself? How would I describe myself? Um, I would describe myself, if you ask me this week, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would describe myself as resilient, powerful, but also introverted. Okay. Okay. Have you noticed any surprising benefits of being introverted? So I used to view being an introvert as a weakness. And this year I read a book. I think her name is Susan. I can't remember her last name. But the oh, book yes. is called Quiet. Yes. The Power Susan of Introverts in a World That uh, Can't Stop Talking. Mm-hmm. And that book helped me to not only understand myself as an introvert, but to see the positives, to see, you know, the benefits in being an introvert and how over the years, like, you know, society has made being an extrovert seem like the best quality that, you know, that's what they're looking for in people in their jobs and in their colleges and universities. But being an introvert the qualities that we have, you know, the, the level of awareness that we have, we're built to help be part of, you know, survival. We've got a lot of qualities that are strengths that if you look at back in the day when we needed to stay in these tribes, in these communities to move around, you know, our, our heightened sense of awareness. So whether it be a sensing, you know, energy that's around other animals or whatever, us, our heightened sense of smell, you know, smelling of food has gone bad, all of those things like to protect us. So learning how as introverts, like there's a part of our brain, the amygdala or whatever, that's like more active. So our strength in heightened of hearing sounds and smelling things. And I guess we're, we notice smaller details in things. We react more emotionally to things like music and artwork and, you know, books, our emotional connection to those things, our sensitivity to certain things that other people may see as a weakness. You know, people call us, you know, you're, you're being too sensitive, or if you smell something, oh, your nose is so sensitive, or your ears are so sensitive, or your eyes are so sensitive. But I view those things as definitely a strength because it lets me know that I'm in tune, that I'm connected. Mm-hmm. It's very true. And I think what you describe is as an introvert, you don't really think about. And I remember when I was younger, I would watch the news and I remember like watching like, you know, the images, especially of like 9-11, like it stays with you. And then it would it would really affect me. And then I'm like, what's wrong? And then I, I realized that reading the news was better for me than watching it all the time. Listen, I can't I can't do either. <laughs> um, <laughs> so interesting enough, when my sister passed away in 2012, when we were sitting in ICU for three weeks, they had mm. that TV on CP24 and the news was playing 24 hours a day. And that was the same week that there was the shooting in Danzig and the little girl died. And oh, yes. it was it was so traumatic on top of the experience that we were dealing with. But looking at the news. 
And then learning that watching up to, I think it's three minutes a day of the news can impact your day negatively by over 30% or something like that. So, you know, as introverts, we're already sensitive Mm -hmm. to things. When it comes to graphic images and things like that, there's a hyper sensitivity. And like yourself, you know, I used to wonder if something was wrong with me. You know, years ago, I was at a sports bar with my ex and his friends, and they were watching, I think, a UFC fight. And I started to feel nauseous. And I thought Mm -hmm. that I was getting sick. And I ran to the bathroom. And I realized the visuals of just the fighting and the blood and all of those, I couldn't handle it. My body was telling me, like, this is too much for me. You know, so I can't look at you know, a lot of things that people share on social media, like, you know, traumatic things of people getting shot or, you know, brutality by the police. I cannot watch any of those mm-hmm. um, images because I can't get them out of my head. That's they right. do physically make me sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why when the George Floyd uh, video was passed along on the Internet, I'm, like, I'm not watching that. <laughs> no, I couldn't watch no. at all. No. no. Yeah. Very interesting how we process things differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we hear the terms boundaries often. Do you find it easy to set boundaries? Do I find it easy to set boundaries? Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, boundaries are like a a set of like strategies or intentional decisions that we make about life. You know, what we let in, what we push out. But I I used to be such a people pleaser that I didn't even know what boundaries were, mm-hmm. um, you know, now with the work that I do and doing some of my own healing, learning that, you know, parent pleasers grow up to be people pleasers, right? Mm-hmm. We weren't taught or conditioned that our needs matter. It was always about whether it be the caregiver, whoever else that had to be put first. So now at 41, being able to say that I set heavy boundaries, it's not easy. It has not been an easy process. But being able to set those systems in place so that I am putting me first, so that I'm prioritizing my emotional needs, my physical needs, my spiritual needs, and making sure that I'm filling my cup before I allow other people to come in and drink from my well, it's essential. I'm at a point now where I don't play about my boundaries. I don't play about my schedule, my time, my energy, my boundaries are so intense that some people get offended, but it has nothing to do with them. It has to do with my preservation. Mm-hmm. So I find that the more that I've set up boundaries, the more I've been able to thrive, but I've also shed certain relationships, family, friends, business that either don't respect boundaries or that have their own toxic beliefs that I shouldn't have any, (laughs) you know, Um, but the more that people push my boundaries or get offended by my boundaries makes me realize those are the people that make me need to have those boundaries in place because people, you know, we teach people how to treat us. Mm -hmm. And if we allow people to continue to take and take and take and take, they will take until there's nothing left. So if you don't set up a boundary to say, okay, enough, they'll just continue to drain you. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. It has not been easy (laughs) at all. And it's funny because when I first heard the term boundaries years ago, I was like, boundaries? That seems so, you know, self-centered and selfish. And then as I got older, I'm like, no, no, it's not. You you need boundaries and in all aspects of your life, you know, even work. (laughs) Absolutely. Like if, if we don't have healthy boundaries, 
you know, our relationships don't thrive. We suffer in all areas. You know, we'll mm-hmm. begin to have resentment towards people. We'll feel disappointed about things. We'll feel violated if we don't set up boundaries. And there's so many areas where we, you know, can set up these boundaries. It's not just like, you know, about saying no. Mm-hmm. Very true. Um, it's, it's really more about saying yes to yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think. Sometimes when people hear the word boundary, they automatically assume that it's just shutting out people Uh around you. But I view it as, like I said earlier, preserving me mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Mm -hmm. So I follow you on Instagram and you talk often on social media about owning your truth. Why is it so important and how do you learn to face your truth? Owning your truth. I think for the longest while, I used to look at my transparency as almost like, I'm going to say not a strength, because sometimes I would be so transparent that people would be offended. And Mm. it would either be transparency about my own story, somehow they would find offense within it, or transparency about an experience that we had together that they didn't like. And then I had to learn that that had nothing to do with me right our truth is our truth it's based on our perspective our experiences our traumas our all the baggages that we bring with us all the layers of who we are two people can have the exact same experience but their perspective of it can be completely different Mm -hmm. right so when i talk about owning my truth i'm sharing my perspective of my story and that way i'm not ashamed of whatever someone else's perspective, maybe, or their version of the story. I'm not allowing someone else to write the narrative for me. I'm telling you the story from the horse's mouth. So there's nothing that anyone out there can shame me for about my story because I've owned it. I'm completely open about it. I said what I said. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Um, and I think even, you know, with, with the boundaries part of it, I think owning my story is also a part of me setting that boundary because I'm not allowing other people to impose their belief of me on me, right? Mm-hmm. You can have your whatever you want to believe about me, but I'm setting that, that boundary where I'm not allowing someone else's narrative of me to affect me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's six different types of of boundaries. So like we can have um, physical boundaries, emotional boundaries, time boundaries, you know, healthy sexual boundaries, intellectual boundaries, material boundaries. There is no part of me that I haven't owned where someone can come and impose anything on me. I know what my boundaries are. I know what I'm going to accept. I know what I like and what I don't like. And I'm very open about it. And I'm not going to dispute my story or my beliefs with anyone. Mm -hmm. Everyone's entitled to their own perceptions and thoughts and feelings. But owning my story allows me, I don't want to say to not be moved by someone else's view of that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It sets you free. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, freedom comes at a price, but yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's similar to like when 
two siblings grow up in the same house and they can have two different experiences. And then, you know, someone from the family can be like, that's that's not how it happened. No, no, this is how I experienced it. This is how she experienced it. And that's it, right? Right, so, right. Yeah. You know, the same exact example where, you know, two siblings can grow up in the same house and have the same experience. One can grow up completely fine mm-hmm. and normal and have no issues from those um, scenarios that happened in that house. And one could grow up completely traumatized and need therapy and, you know, struggle throughout life and end up with mental health issues because we are programmed differently. Mm-hmm. Right. So what may affect, like maybe one's an extrovert, one's an introvert, but right. because the <laughs> introvert was hypersensitive to everything that was going around became overstimulated mm-hmm. and, you know, too many things for them to process and it started to affect their mental And then the other person may be extroverted and found outlets and ways to process and deal with what happened in that household. So both narratives are true. It's their own truth, but they could be different. Yeah, very true. So who or what inspires you? Um, Who? I would say anyone who is leading by example, because that's not easy. You Mm -hmm. know, when you are leading by example and not following the crowd and not following the masses, you are putting yourself at risk for judgment or ridicule or, you know, people's opinions, but you're also paving path and leading the way for other people to be able to see what is possible because representation matters. And then I guess in terms of what inspires me, I would say hearing stories of people mm-hmm. who are leading the way, people who are being resilient and pushing through and hearing how they've gotten through their adversities, which is why like, you know, my podcast is like therapy for me, mm-hmm. but um, through those stories, you know, we connect, we find a sense of community. There's part of someone else's story that we can always relate to or connect with or see ourselves in or somebody that we love. in. that's what inspires me. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because when you hear other people's stories, you realize that every single person's journey is so different. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're, and here's the we're so different yet so similar. Right. Right. Because we could come from completely different backgrounds, live in different countries, speak different languages, but there's still a part in our story that we can connect. Mm-hmm. Right. Like my mind is always blown, you know, when my show hits top charts in like Korea or, you know, United Emirates or Australia, because I'm just like, Oh, okay. But then there are women who are connecting to those stories. They can mm-hmm. see themselves in those stories. They can relate to those stories. So yet so different, yet so the same. Yeah, very true. <laughs> so what are you uh, proudest of? I guess first thought would be my kids. I mean, when you, you know, I've been a single mother for, I don't know, 11, 12 years now, <laughs> but <laughs> seeing three humans that are brilliant and creative and mm. just their amazing possibilities and potential that they display. That would be the first thing. Second, I am most proud of my own evolution of who I've become, the woman that I've become, because I was not this person 15 years ago. <laughs> right. So I'd have to say I am proud of, how far I've come, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, not just the young little 
shy girl that grew up in government housing, you know, to being able to do the things that I do today, but also just my awareness of certain things. Like I put up a post on Instagram this week, how, you know, there was once upon a time, it would take me forever to get through reading just one paragraph of something that, you know, my attention span just was not there. It would take me like a whole year to read one book. Mm -hmm. And then I challenged myself and I said, I want to be able to read one book a month. So that would be 12 books for the year. And this year I've read 20 books. So like that, not only being able to hit that goal and surpass that goal, but like the knowledge that's been gained from it, the evolution of who I am from absorbing that information and putting it into action and sharing that information and, um, you know, seeing that in my clients, that makes me proud. Mm -hmm. Um, And it makes me proud of the legacy that I'm building. Mm -hmm. I like that you say legacy because I think sometimes we don't, think about legacy that we're leaving behind. We're so set on like these goals of finding the perfect career, you know, building the house, getting that car. And it's like, okay, but these are just material things. That's great. But you know, what do you, what's the legacy that you're leaving behind? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like if we, we look at our children or, you know, look at ourselves as our parents' children, right. Our experiences as you know, back then or as kids or whatever, affect who we are today. Mm -hmm. So now as adults, we're responsible for educating and helping uplift the kids of tomorrow, Mm -hmm. right? So contributing to the future of this world of life rather than tearing it down. Like, you know, some people are only thinking about themselves and the moment that we're in and what they can get from it and just benefiting within that moment. But there's more to life than that. Yeah. And if you think about it, it can be a little scary. You're like, man, I I need to leave a legacy. Okay, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What's the worst advice you've ever gotten? (laughs) Uh, The worst advice I have ever gotten was that I should ask other people what they think or ask people for their opinion on something to see if it's a good idea. (laughs) <laughs> I, I remember I remember hearing a saying and I'll, I'll try and say it without swearing um, <laughs> I remember hearing a saying that was like opinions are like buttholes everyone has one but it doesn't mean we need to hear it or see it or, or whatever right mm-hmm. so for me when it comes to an idea or a vision that I have if it's something that I'm supposed to act on or execute I have learned that asking people, especially people who are not connected to the vision, people who don't have that level of awareness, people who are not the target audience of that vision that I was given would be the worst people to ask because Mm -hmm. they're just giving me uneducated guesses and opinions based on their level or perspective of it, right? I don't ask people for their opinion unless they are in a position that I want to be in, unless they are doing what it is that I want to do, or if they are in the ring fighting with me, because sometimes we'll share our vision with the wrong people and they'll make us doubt that vision. Mm -hmm. They'll give their negative thoughts and opinions on it, not necessarily because they're a negative person or because they don't believe that it's possible for us to do, but it could be that they don't believe it's possible for them to do, right? It's beyond their level of awareness. So sometimes we're given a vision because God was like, you know what? You're the one that is going to take action on this. I see you as the one that can take lead on this. And those people that you're asking, they may not believe it's possible until you show them. Mm -hmm. 
So I've had so many people that didn't believe that things are possible and I did it and now they're doing it. Like <laughs> when I was doing it how many years ago? Oh, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. And now they're doing it and I've moved on to something else. Like, yeah. <laughs> right? So I don't ask people for their opinion if I don't feel that they have a solution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's, it's silly because even to think about any decision that you're doing, that you're asking like, you know, five, six people, I feel like you wouldn't get anything done in life. There are so many people, like I can give you a prime example. I have a publishing client and some of my clients, as soon as they come to me, you know, their books are are published within weeks. And I have had this client for almost two years and she's done nothing. And every time we have an accountability call, oh, well, so-and-so said this and -and so-and-so said I should wait for this. And -and so-and-so said, maybe I should do this. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, have any of these people ever published a book? She's like, no. I'm like, okay, then why are you taking their opinion on what you should do? Do you mean books I publish? (laughs) What are you doing? So I find that people take the opinions of other people and cause it to block their blessings. Mm -hmm. You know, they allow it to hold them back and procrastinate and not do what they've been called to do because they're asking people that have never done what it is that they're trying to do. Yeah. And you end up doing nothing. 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 <laughs> nothing. <laughs> like, I had someone that follows me on Instagram. Um, she's a photographer. And we spoke about, you know, she had such beautiful, beautiful images. And I was like, have you ever even thought about maybe creating a coffee table book? I could definitely help you publish something like that. And we had a discovery call. It went great. And then she came back and said that someone said that maybe she should, I don't know, they gave her some other ideas she should do with her images basically like shop around with her book or something i can't remember and i was like did that person ever publish a book no oh okay so she was offended that i asked that question but like hello you're asking people that have never done it and they're giving you guesses on what they should do Mm -hmm. and or what you should do and now she's done nothing no book (laughs) right The years go by, you do nothing. 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 (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's why I'm nothing. (laughs) I've had family members that have said to me, well, have you tried this or have you tried that? They're giving me a million ideas and things that they have in their head that they think I should try. And it's like, you've never been in this industry. I've done everything that you think you're suggesting. All of it. I've done it already Mm -hmm. multiple times. Like, you know, thank you for your input, but I didn't ask. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, Mikini, thank you so much for being here. It was lovely chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for what you're doing and what you're building with your podcast. And like I said, just just honored to be a guest. Oh, thank you. That was such a great conversation I had with Makini. I hope you found it insightful just as much as I did. Don't forget to share this episode with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please subscribe. Follow me on Instagram at introverted underscore queen blog. Thank you so much for tuning in. Take good care. And until next time. <laughs>